Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. This is a USA Today Network production, and your host, Graham Hall and David Whitley. Welcome into the Gator Sports Podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall, joined to my left by David Whitley. Hello. It has been a long time, listeners out there. I think it's been, what, four months since we did an episode? It had to be the end of last year's football season, the SEC Championship really before Billy Napier got here. So, man, this is the first one of the Billy Napier regime. It is. That is incredible. And it's the first one of the Graham Hall-David Whitley regime at the the Gainesville Sun. The brand-new tandem here at Gatorsports.com and in the Gainesville Sun. We're thrilled to be here. We are. I want to be the, I don't know, 800th person to congratulate you on assuming the role of Gator beat writer, taking over for Zach. Uh, whom we will always love and have a special place in our heart here. He has moved on, still covering Gator sports, uh, but he's no longer sitting in this chair, which technically I have assumed Zach's position on the podcast. Graham is an old podcast hand because he knows more about Gator sports than uh, probably anybody except uh, I'm trying to think. Um, well, there's a lot Scott out there. Yeah, yeah but, give Scott a lot of yeah, credit. But, but based on your age, which is about 22, you probably you, know, you you're you're the leading scholar of Gator sports for a I don't know what I know a septuagenarian is a somebody eighty year old <laughs> but I, octogenarian be eighty I don't know what a, what a twenty year old is people about. have called me an old head because I think that in this day and age you know I think I have a little more patience with the sport everything is so sped up it's one year and done for a lot of people the narrative flips awfully quickly I think we saw that a lot last year. With Dan Mullen, I mean, if you remember coming into October, there were a lot of people thinking that Dan was one of the top 10 coaches in college football. And then by the end of the year, he's at the unemployment line. So it's just so sped up here. And I just I don't like how fast the coaching carousel is moving. I think you need more time to develop a program. And so people say that's an old head perspective. But I just think it's a good one to have. You know, these are people in these businesses. And once you get to know them, I think you really kind of have a newfound appreciation. And I think it's why a lot of Florida fans are really already behind Billy Napier because they believe that this is a genuine person, pretty different. The way that he speaks, more patient than Dan Mullen, less salesman-y, let's call it that. Mm -hmm. It's just appealing to people. You would buy a used car from Billy Napier. Oh, yeah. Even even if really it had four bald tires, and and you know no no accelerator, but if he told you it did, you would believe it. He's the guy telling you yeah. that it needs some work, and yeah. you're like, okay, well he would be it's honest. Not so yeah. bad when he says it. When he, when he says that things need to work, you're like, okay, well this guy's going to take care of the work that needs to be done because you don't want to be lied to. And I think that that's part of why there was so much hostility coming out of last season because I think Florida fans wanted to believe so much that Dan Mullen was the savior. That, yeah, Jim McElwain, same thing happened. Three years and then a fall off. Four years into Dan Mullen, fall off. I think that you saw just this change 
that many people weren't expecting, even though that there were signs, but because that they were so quickly led astray and the downfall was so significant so quickly, you saw so many people turn on him. And that's what I think Billy Napier has already kind of restored here, this, this good faith from head coach to fan base where they're really kind of hanging on every word yeah. from him and not really doubting what he's saying already. Yeah, I mean, there's always the, the honeymoon period uh, where you come in and people who three three weeks, three, heck, look at LSU. You know, uh, if you'd have gone up to LSU fan out in November and said Brian Kelly, they'd oh, have gotten this, this scrunch look on their face. And then he, and he comes and suddenly, hey, he's our guy. You know, and and I, Frank, I, I would never buy a used car from Brian Kelly, but they, they're buying. And I, I think he's a great coach, but he's also the kind of guy that I know would say whatever needs to be said at that moment to to accomplish his goal, to get his agenda across. I think you saw that with the family word that came out when he took center court at that LSU basketball game early into the season and was introduced. And you saw my family <laughs> that you'd never seen up there in South Bend, mm-hmm. you know, where he was kind of toeing the line as this you know mass attending catholic man right right it was just such a flip that i think people were like okay this is not genuine whatsoever and recruits see that stuff you know when you're corny in the videos and they see how you really talk and act behind the scenes they notice that stuff and then when you have a reputation for not being genuine to their face i mean you lose a lot of trust in 17 18 year olds that you're trying to sell yourself to you you can't get away with being dis you know disgenuous here yeah but i i think he can make up for it because uh he like a lot of these SEC schools, in his uh, back right hip pocket has a big wallet <laughs> that, uh, under the with the initials NIL. Although uh, obviously he can't specifically do it, but you know it, the you're right the the, uh, the 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 twang he had was killer, and also he got a lot of a lot of grief for that dance. I did oh you yeah. yeah, when when he's doing the <laughs> when he's when he's making like you know Mr. Hip Hop. You know, uh, and you know, I'm you know, I'm, I'm basically the same age as him. And Frank, I lost my hip hop ability. Not that I've had, you know, forty years ago. At least you own it. Uh, but he, he, you know, he had a good recruiting class. You got to, you know, so, yeah. so so for I think for every every kid who says, oh, yeah, he looks fake. You know, they'll get there and they'll see the, the, what's going on. And and he does have a record. You know, he's 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 an accomplished guy. And you know, I don't blame LSU for hiring him at all. I mean, they they, they sw- give LSU that they swing for the fences with every hire. Yeah, I think that yeah. the most surprising thing yeah. about this, and this is still what Florida fans, I think, are feeling right now. It's kind of like a can't believe that LSU didn't go into their backyard yeah. and go get Billy Napier. Yeah, I mean, this guy was right there. Whatever concerns they had about him, I mean, I guess time will tell if they're founded or not. But right now, just how he's coming across in the four months that he's been in Gainesville compared to Brian Kelly being in Baton Rouge, it's just night and yeah. day in terms of difference. Yeah, I wonder how much of it was the fact he was at Louisiana, the little brother. Yeah. And the fact that, that obviously Louisiana might have had a better coach than LSU did at that point, and that they had outsmarted uh, the, the big bad Tigers and stuff. I, you know, I guess the Florida correlation would be if, if uh, they were hiring UCF's coach, which, uh, uh, you yes, know, that's they, they almost did or tried. So, so the fans would have made peace with that. Of course, it, it, I think it, because it, uh, Scott Frost was coming off, you know, he, he was the hot guy at that point. So That's I mean, very true. I, I, yeah. uh, as things have turned out, you know, there, there's one bullet that was dodged. Sometimes you do have a better look of the guys in your backyard, but then, yeah, yeah, right, you said there's sometimes that bias where it's Mm -hmm. like, 
you know, I don't know if it's like a can't beat him, join him type mentality, but you don't really want to wave the white flag and say, okay, this guy two hours right. away from me who's been cleaning up on the recruiting trail and right. winning with players that I passed on. You know, now I want him here. Let's see what he does with my resources. Yeah. It's kind of and it might be even accept. more intense in Louisiana. Because, I mean, at least Florida. You know, you've got Florida, FSU, Miami, blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah. I mean, LSU. You've got or in Louisiana, you've got LSU, and then who? I mean. You've got Tulane, which you know I guess had their last winning season in 1937, uh, <laughs> and and Louisiana, which you know, Frank, I, I my knowledge of Louisiana, you know, could have fit inside a, you know a thimble full of gumbo uh, before I heard of <laughs> Billy Napier, and then I said, man, you know, but you know, it, obviously he was on some people's radar. Yeah, and well, there aren't seven major programs yeah. in Louisiana like there are in the yeah. state of Florida. We forget how big this state is and you talk FIU, FAU, who they've had. Willie Taggart's still down there yeah. at FAU. Uh, FIU definitely had a whole lot of accomplished coaches and then you know FSU, Florida fans don't want to hear it but you got to think that they're going to continue to improve Oh yeah, up there in Tallahassee. So a well, lot the, to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's been an interesting four months since the last time that uh, two Gainesville Sun employees were in front of these <laughs> these golden microphones. That's right. And we're going to talk a lot of recruiting over the coming weeks. Obviously, you know how Florida did added three early enrollee signees, added fifteen guys in the normal signing period in that first week of February. Really added those six transfers. One of them, Tyrone Truesdale, was on campus last year. Florida got fans got a taste of him and then five others. We know the three that came over from Louisiana Lafayette. It's going to be a very interesting spring. That's what we're going to talk about here after this first break. We're going to talk about expectations, who we're looking forward to see, open spring practice. Let's see what the schedule is like. We're going to preview that more after this first break. USA Today's Florida Sports Network covers the Sunshine State better than anyone else. We have reporters and columnists covering Florida, Florida State, and Miami, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Bucks. Like NASCAR, we've got you covered. We also provide the most comprehensive high school coverage available, and so much more. In fact, we have 17 news sites that encompass the state. Hi, I'm Tim Walters, host of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. Each week, this podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. From Pensacola to Jacksonville, to Palm Beach to Naples, and all points in between, we've got you covered. The State of Florida Sports Podcast can be found wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on any of our state news sites. And we are back. With the Gator Sports Podcast, presented by the Gainesville Sun, I'm Graham Hall, joined on my left by David Whitley, about to talk some Florida spring practice. Yes, it's uh, T-minus one week now. Do you have your sunscreen ready? Uh, SPF 50. Oh, is that going to cut it? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I I, I recall covering a, a UCF when George O'Leary was there, mm-hmm. and he was one of those guys that w- didn't want people to wear sunglasses. Oh, come on. Yeah, because uh, it apparently it, it was a sign of uh, weakness. Sign of weakness. Yes, yes. I, I just soon, you know, have have the sign sign of uh, not not having crow's feet and whatever melanomas you get in your eyes for not wearing exactly. sunglasses. I think that we've come farther than yeah. thinking that protecting ourselves yeah. from the sun is a yeah. sign of weakness. So I'll, I'll be out there, sunscreen, shades, the whole deal. Yeah, I think it's only going to be less than half an hour. But yeah. there was a time not too long ago under Dan Mullen where they were generating some goodwill in his first year, and we got to see that entire 
two and a half hour practice session. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of it was them trying to obfuscate some stuff and hide and really disguise so people would be like, oh, well, this is where so-and-so is going to line up. And, oh, he's the starting wide receiver. And, oh, we're going to have a quarterback battle, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how much of that stuff is planned to kind of disguise what the narrative actually is because I don't know how much you really can gather from spring itself Mm because so many guys still aren't on campus in terms of freshmen. You know they'll add some transfers. With Emory Jones, that's what we're going to talk about here in a second, you don't know whether he's going to go through spring leading up to being Florida's starting quarterback in the fall. We know that he's going to graduate at the end of the semester. Billy Napier has talked about, you know, he's here right now. We'll see what the future holds. I'm very interested to see how they split the reps at the quarterback position, knowing they have five signal callers in the building. Jack Miller, the transfer from Ohio State. Anthony Richardson going to go through spring practice limited. Jalen Kitna and Carlos Del Rio Wilson, the redshirt freshman that didn't see the field in 2021. Emory Jones may be the guy who gets the most reps, David, and I think that's just an extremely interesting situation knowing that he may not be here in the fall. Yeah, I mean, who would have thunk it the last time right? that Florida took the field? Everybody just was you know, assumed, and with good reason, that that was it. So, so long, Emory, swan song. Uh, and I, I remember... You know, I, right, that people should feel indebted to him because he could have easily bailed out that game, and that would have left them with nobody at quarterback. I mean, you could have had had uh, one, one of the uh, true freshmen out there, basically. Right. Richardson was out, and there, and there was no. And I thought that uh, you know, one thing, obviously, you know, uh, Emory had had a lot of problems, but nobody could ever question his dedication to the team, and that he was Definitely. he was a stand up guy, and you know, that's what made last last year. Even worse is that when a guy struggles, you know, some guys, you, you never want to see anybody struggle, but some guys, it, it, it bothers you less when they struggle, let's put it that way, because you know that, ah, eh, you know, he, he didn't put in the work, or he, he, he just, you know, maybe you just don't like him. Came but, off as arrogant, yeah, in, arrogant in some way. But uh, you never got that with Emory, and he had been there for four years. He had done everything that was expected of him. You know, coming into the year, everything was just set. You know, he was ready to step right in and be, you know, the, the guy that, that Dan Mullen had whispered to for four years and all those whispers were going to become these great shouts. And it was just a, you know, a dream that never came true quite. I mean, you, obviously he had moments and we can rattle them off. I mean, fans remember him just where you, where you get excited. You say, yeah, he can do it. But then, yeah, after, after that hero drive, the next time he, you know, he'll just make a play that you, you just, you just go, huh? You know, he he would, he'd see a guy running open, he'd miss him, and 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 you you expected that first couple of games, few games, but he was from from game one or two to game ten and eleven, it was the same guy out there, you know, exciting. It, if against against you know most most teams, he'd go out there and he could get you eighty yards, and maybe I mean we go, God knows we saw what he could do against a team like like uh, Sanford, you know where you know I think he got you know thousand yards just about on, by his, his, himself. But then you know next thing there goes you know, intercepting. Mean, you, you can't you can't look past eighteen interceptions. Yeah, it's tough. It's you know I wonder how much he can improve in terms of that regard, the decision making aspect of the game. But when I really look at it, I think that there's a lot of reason for Florida fans to be optimistic that Emory Jones can improve. I mean, let's not forget, this is someone that Ohio State and Alabama were clamoring for. I mean, Dan Mullen told that great story about how he ate all the food before Nick Saban could get in the house to try and woo mm-hmm. Emory Jones over to Tuscaloosa. This was someone that top programs wanted, and he 
not only in the era of the transfer portal, bided his time and waited for his opportunity four years to see the field as a starting quarterback while fans were, again, clamoring for him over the likes of Felipe Franks and initially Kyle Trask. Then he has his quarterback coach lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. Brian Johnson, I think, was undervalued here at Florida. If you especially just saw what he got out of Jalen Hurts up there in Philadelphia, I think that going from, and no disrespect to Garrick McGee here, but just the transition from Brian Johnson to Garrick McGee, I think may have hindered Emory Jones's ability to perform this season. And then anytime you go through a coaching transition, a guy like Dan Mullen, clearly a lot of Florida fans have said rough season from him in terms of the coaching department as well, the decision-making, the usage with players. I think you have to give the benefit of the doubt that there's a lot of external factors that played a part in Emory Jones's subpar, let's call it that, mm-hmm. performance last year. And as a fifth-year quarterback, I do think that it's not outside the realm of possibility that he goes out there and has a much better season this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it right now and you had to put a team on the field, he would be your starter. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, I, but they don't have; they're not in that position yet. But you're right. I mean, if at worst, I mean, what having him around, even if he's not the starter, you know, you have. A, a you know, the kind of backup that most teams would kill for, uh, and you can put him in, and he's experienced, and he's not going to freak out, and he'll get you, he'll get you the the, the yards, that, and or even as a you know a gadget type, you know wildcat kind. Of, you put him in there, I mean he, he's not just a wildcat where he he might run the ball. I mean he 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 is a quarterback. You yeah, know, I remember when we'd ask him about you know do you want to be a runner? Said no, 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 I'm a quarterback. Yeah, but the guy, the guy, you, you could argue that he was all he is also the best runner on that team. I mean, he's leading rusher, led the team in rushing yards. Yeah, so there, there's no downside to him sticking around. I mean, it would be if he was a malcontent and 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 you got, but he's it's hard to imagine him becoming that guy yeah. at this point in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it you know, but as you said, the the question is, will he really be here? I mean, it's just when you look at it. It was so seems so obvious compared to what everybody else did that he would have transferred out and and played his last. He'd be. He's got. A, he's, he's got, got two year. more. He's, he's got a, a year. year. Does he have two years? But did he get a, a COVID? I think a COVID he already year? used the redshirt. Yep, he already okay. used the redshirt. So he's, but you know he would go somewhere and be a starter somewhere. You know at at a group of five place and and uh, and just be the man there. But and then they said, well, but he'll stick around because he wants to get his degree. I mean, you know, good for him doing that, but. If he's going to do all that, you know, why would he go through spring practice now too? If um, if he was going to actually transfer somewhere, he would want to be where at, at that school spring practice now and not Absolutely. come in, not come in just just you know cold this this uh, fall. You know, you so, you mentioned we were talking about LSU in the first segment. You saw what happened with Jaden Daniels these past couple of days, the Arizona State transfer quarterback. I don't understand how this is happening, but he. Yeah. Not to kind of get off topic here, but he is going to be eligible, despite just enrolling at LSU, he's going to be eligible for spring practice. And they have mid-test dates Uh right as spring (laughs) practice starts. So he's joining in the middle of the semester and going to be eligible to go through Brian Kelly's first spring there at LSU. If Florida wanted to add another quarterback, or if Emory Jones wanted to leave right before spring practice, I think that there would have been a way for some program to get him in right. and get him eligible. Oh, yeah. The fact that he's still here a week out, I think is a sign that he, not only does he intend to very likely be here in fall if he goes through spring practice as the starter, but he's planning on, on doing all of yeah, that. I, I don't think in his mind he's thinking, I, you know, I'm going to come in and try to impress him enough to where I just can maybe get a few snaps. He wants to come in and you know, it would fit his his mentality that you know says I I'm going to rise at this challenge I'm not scared of this I know what I can and we all know what he can do he just needs to do it more consistently is the problem because yep. because I mean, I mean goodness knows when he's when he's hot when he's on 
you know, he's he, he can carry. I mean, he can carry this team to as far as they as they. I mean, the quarterback is not a problem if he's playing well. It's when he it's just those 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 quirks that all and and you know, just, all right, quirk, they're just screw ups. I mean, the guy. He, it's whether it it is just you know they say he's reached his ceiling. I physically, you know, he 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 hasn't reached his ceiling. That's not a problem. And you just. As you say, if if Dan, they maybe said Dan Mullen is the quarterback whisperer. If he can't get it out of him, I, I don't know. I mean, Billy Napier. This it would be ironic. The guy who's never been called the quarterback whisperer comes in <laughs> and he flips the switch. Yeah. with with this guy. I think that yeah, you got to keep in mind. Also, it was Emory Jones's first year as a starting quarterback. I think that anyone in their first year is going to have some some crests and troughs. They're going to take some hits, and especially when the narrative becomes okay. Now your head coach may be leaving. And the fans are turning on you and yeah. booing you after interceptions. Right. I mean, that can I affect think, your focus. It, it, it was, you know, I think, a little worse here because of the AR factor. I mean, the, the, as as we all know, the, the backup QB is always the most popular guy in town. And when you're uh, when you're from that town and you have that 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 those qualities that Anthony Richard had, especially the, those first couple of games when he was, you know, he, he was a superhero out there. And just you know, visions of Cam Newton are running through everybody's head and everything, <laughs> and it just made it worse. And the the fact that he and Ar were remained on such good terms and are and are still you know just pulling for each other, and you know, but they always have quarterbacks always say that, but and you just sort of take it with a grain of salt. But you really sense that that was true in this case that, that they were happy for each other and they had there's no personal animosity yeah. between the two. And, and I was, it, it just it just made it, but all this has to work on on you know one of those big in his, on his head saying you know eh, you know everybody wants this other guy to to, to succeed and me to fail yeah I I don't get that you know I think that since both of them want the other to succeed and so many people I think last year missed Dan Mullen's frequent we're gonna have a dual quarterback system we're gonna have a dual quarterback system type comments because it was meant to bring. Anthony Richardson along to the point where yeah. he could eventually take over the reins. So many people miss that because I think, you know, we talked about this in the first segment, the coaching carousel is so sped up. What's the, what do they say? If you don't have, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. So the belief that Florida was going to trot two quarterbacks out there, I think a lot of people were like, eh, that's, that's maybe not the mm-hmm. best sign. You got to have one guy moving forward, but both of those guys wanted to work yeah. collectively and right. together. And that's well, he, the other thing. We got to talk about Anthony Richardson real quick here. Yeah. We can't all, only talk about Emory Jones because he wants Emory to go out there and be successful, knowing that Anthony is a limited participant this year and, and needs to continue to still learn and gain knowledge of the offense, but can't do everything yeah. in spring practice. If there's anyone who wants Emory to be successful, it's the guy who's not really competing with him right now it's anthony richardson he wants to see emory jones have that improvement because like you said they are best buddies you know they, they yeah. want each other to be successful here yeah it, it's too bad and and he can't go out there and we can see what he do but obviously you know i guess this knee has been an issue all the way back to high school so you want to i mean get it taken care of go out there be 100 percent, and he can do the class work and and you know he'll get he'll get some reps out there this i mean he'll, I, I, I doubt he'll get hit this spring but uh it it will you know it will be very very intriguing how that plays out and but you know we have to talk about them because you know I can't talk about Jack Miller <laughs> with, <laughs> with any intelligence other, other than the fact that sounds like a good quarterback name Jack huge, Miller huge yeah. unknown you know yeah. anytime you're the third I think that you third. not only have to that's true you know big shoes to yeah. to fill in a sense but also yeah he only completed five of eight passes last year for sixty six yards huge unknown one eight yard rush Mm -hmm. saw him in kind of garbage time for the Buckeyes 
I think he has an opportunity here. Not only is, aside from Emory Jones, he the only fully healthy quarterback that has played in a collegiate game, but, I mean, the guy transferred from Ohio State. He's played behind some great quarterbacks. You know who the last backup Ohio State quarterback to transfer when they didn't win the job was just some guy named Joe Burrow uh, yeah. so you know I'm small not hands, he's though. gonna be that but he had small hands yeah he I, had I small heard. hands I don't yeah. think he has Kenny Pickett hands but yeah. you know if they can get anything out of Jack Miller knowing that they also just signed a six quarterback in Max Brown that'd be a huge yeah. plus in, in my mind right you know if if he had been a backup at Ohio Wesleyan blah 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 yeah, oh but but yeah no I, expectations I mean, you could see see why he would transfer away from Ohio State because you're looking at, you know, C.J. Stroud. He's obviously going to have that job, uh, at least for another year. And, and then they'll have somebody else, somebody else. Yep. And he wasn't the only guy who transferred out from you know, from up there. You know, the kid from uh, uh, from Texas who got all the NIL money. Oh, yeah, Quinn Ewers. Yeah. 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 So you can you can understand why he would look around and, and think, all right, um, I, I got to go somewhere. I, you know, no, no matter how good I am here, you know, I'm not going to get on, on the field. Absolutely. So... Uh, you know, there's reason to be to be excited about him. I mean, you know, it, you know, that's pretty good pedigree. And you know, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if he came in and 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 won people over and was and won the job. Or it wouldn't surprise me if he he ended up third string. Yeah, I, you just don't know at this point. You don't know. It's a huge unknown. There's a yeah. lot of unknowns heading in to Billy Napier's first spring. We're going to take this final break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit SEC men's basketball tournament as it's in Tampa in our backyard this year. We'll be heading down there on Thursday when Florida takes on Texas A&M at noon. Winner of that game plays number one Auburn. We'll be talking that when we come right back. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant, and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Got to go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast, presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm Graham Hall, joined to my left by David Whitley. I'm in your left speaker. Now, exactly. That's more accurate. i got to get more accurate. Now we're going to talk a little bit of a different sport here, one that's a little more on the bubble rather than preparing mm-hmm. for the season. That's the Florida men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. Finished the season with 19 wins, lost to Kentucky to finish the regular season on Saturday. Now plays Texas A&M. I got to say, that was a cruel, cruel, cruel finish for Florida because they had a chance going in to that Kentucky game to wrap up the number five seed after LSU beat Alabama earlier in the day. Instead, they find themselves in a four-way tie and then end up getting the ninth seed. Mm. I mean, that is dismal. If you're a top six seed in the SEC men's basketball tournament, you get to play a team on Thursday that's coming off of playing Wednesday night. So now you have to play a fresh team in Texas A&M I mean, what a dismal finish! You, you thought yeah. you had so much of a better prospect than that. It, it was dismal, but you know, and it wasn't. We can't. I don't think anybody was really surprised that that game went the way it did because it is Kentucky, and you. And then there was the whole emotion. I mean, senior day, uh, Keontae Johnson coming out, 
And you never know. You'd like to think that, all right, they're, they're going to get fired up, win one for Keanu, da, da. And you know, the thing is, they were thinking the same way. And as Mike White said, you know, they got a little too emotional and they got down. But, and, and really, I'm sure nobody was surprised that they made a nice run at the end. You know, because if one thing you can say about this team, it's resilient and it, it does, you know, it, it never gives up. You know, you, I mean, well, uh, let, let's just forget that Texas Southern game. That, that, yeah. <laughs> no, that, but, one, that one's yeah. going to come back to bite him. Yeah, but th- this team, y- you know that it will, it's out there trying all the time. And, I, you know, they cut it to six, and they had, you know, a, a shot at, you know, the, the three-point cut it to three less than – I never – you know, I figured, okay, you know, m- maybe it's one of those, you know, kismet things where destiny is going to come in. But, it, it, you know, I mean, Kentucky – Kentucky, and it just – it ended up – and it, it was sad, but it was also fitting in a way it's been that kind of year where, you know, they're, they're, they're good, they're good, but not quite there, you know, they, not quite there. And because that would have clinched it, and it would have made – I mean, the SEC tournament important but not vital. Now it is, you know, everybody pretty much assumes it's, it's, uh, it's either – Two two wins or hello NIT. Yeah, I think the two wins right now is the magic number. It's yeah. just unfortunate that it shook out that way for Florida. Yeah. But you're the number nine seed in the SEC. You're gonna have to beat Auburn again. It right. looks like, and yeah, you're gonna have to hope that Bruce Pearl once again blows it in the SEC tournament. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have things wrapped up. I'd like to think, but could be playing for a number one overall yeah. seed. I mean, that's just it. They have things to play for themselves, and I mean then. You look back, there's three weeks ago where they came in here and, and, you know, number two team in the country and they got upset here. And it's just when you factor all that in, plus the fact that, I mean, that's two noon tips in a row. I mean, I don't, I don't think these guys have probably played two noon tips in a row since since junior high or you know, middle school. It's just not that they can't. It's just weird. It's early. Yeah, it definitely it, is. It, it, it is just weird that they're doing that. But, I, you know, I, Auburn will be motivated. I, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, and it's just, I mean, unless from from just a sheer talent standpoint, you know, Auburn should be you know, a number one seed. Uh, and I would, I, I was looking at the at the odds of this, and I think uh, Ken Palm had a twelve point one percent chance of advancing, and that sounds about right. You know, one one in ten that they would, you know, I think it's fifty fifty. They had fifty one percent to beat Texas A and M, and and then twelve percent to get past there to the, to, the, to the third round. Uh, you know. Like with with this team, it wouldn't it wouldn't totally shock me. I mean, I, I when I saw what they did at Vandy last week when they were down nine, you know, down right and scored the last nine points to pull that out. You figure, okay, that there is some karma about this team that 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 I you know that I think Gator fans can can sort of fall back on. Be hard to put your finger on it, but you just say, well, you know, Appleby just goes crazy. You know, yeah, that, that, that something about him. You know, he, he's. He, he is one of those guys that you wouldn't be surprised if he goes out there and goes 10 for 15 from three-point land or one for 15. You yeah. know, it's just who, who's going to show up Thursday? They need him to shoot it. Absolutely. You know, and first up, they got to get past Tammy, as you said, right. on Thursday. And, and that's, you know, and you do wonder because they're thinking, all right, you know, what we got to beat Auburn. We got because you figure Auburn will obviously be. Yeah, you can't look like, ahead. Yeah, but I mean, obviously Texas A and M. This team is not the kind of team that can afford to look past anybody. Yeah, well, and they got humbled by Texas A and M in College Station a few weeks back. Uh, Quentin Jackson named to the second team All SEC with Colin Castleton today in those awards. You know, I like pointing out to people that say Florida season was below average. You know, you're four wins away from Auburn and Colin Castleton sat six games on the bench and Keontae Johnson 30 plus. I mean, it really isn't as bad as I think a lot of people want to believe. And yet you enter a tournament atmosphere, especially where, let's be honest, Florida could have, let's, let's see home court advantage in a sense being in their backyard if Florida fans travel well yeah more so than you think Texas A&M certainly will have absolutely and and uh even you know maybe they'll have as much home court advantage as 
as uh, Kentucky did here Saturday. Or Auburn <laughs> a, a few weeks back. Yeah. Know? It's absolutely traveling correlated to winning, yeah. and Florida will have to try and yeah. pick up one of those. We're going to be back next week to give a full preview of Florida spring practice, talk about five newcomers to look for, five returning players to look for, a lot of other content coming up on Gatorsports.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We'll be right back. 